Hey, greetings sports fans and Catholic radio listeners. This is Steve Ferguson. Uh, we're bringing you two guys in a conversation, minus one guy tonight. My uh, co-host, Brad Moore, is on a business trip, and uh, he and his wife, Jean, uh, are away. And I, I know that uh, J-Mo, Gene uh, Moore, has been an avid listener of the show. So uh, shout out to Gene and Brad. Safe travels and look forward to catching up with you next week. Um, we had a couple of uh, possible guests, but we've uh, kind of missed connections because of the crazy schedules everybody has. But we're hoping to get uh, uh, Coach Steve Ryan and uh, Coach Jim Sykes from the, the men's side of things at Morningside Athletes or Athletics coming up here on the, uh, uh, the next show. Um, lots to talk about. Golly, local sports. Um, you know, Sergeant Bluff uh, made it to the semifinals in football. Lost a tough game with Solon in a shootout. Uh, fantastic performance by uh, Sergeant Bluff this year. But, uh, golly, it wasn't all for, for bad for Sergeant Bluff because the uh, uh, following Saturday, the day after, uh, Sergeant Bluff won the Class 4A uh, volleyball um, and uh, brought home the gold uh, as the number one team in Class 4A and had a great season, uh, you know, led by uh, Foley and Snelker, the two seniors. Foley was captain of the all-tournament team, St. Cloud recruit. I believe she's got the all-time kill record at Sergeant Bluff now. And, uh, and, and Snelker was all-tournament as well. And those, those two led a, a fairly young group over at Sergeant Bluff. And uh, Sergeant Bluff really got a program that has uh, really developed under Coach Winkle over there. And so it'll be interesting to watch next year with this, uh, the youth uh, stepping up into leadership roles. But man, congratulations to the Sergeant Bluff Warriors. And what about Tammy Verbeek, Hull Western Christian, won a 12th state championship. He's now the all-time uh, leader as coaches, as far as volleyball in the history of the state of Iowa. Uh, Hull Western Christian continues to add to their all-time record of state tournament appearances in a row. And uh, congratulations to Tammy for Beak, Hull Western Christian, and what a powerhouse volleyball program that is. And I know that Brad and I have talked to a little local volleyball and, and just how good it is. And here we have two Siouxland teams bringing back the gold and Carol Kemper, uh, Kemper Knights uh, were the runner-up in 3A, and of course, Galen uh, uh, Lamar's Galen also made a state tournament appearance. So uh, uh, volleyball is alive and well in the in the Siouxland and Sioux City schools, and certainly alive and well uh, with our other program we've talked a lot about, Dakota Valley Panthers. Uh, Dakota Valley is now at the state tournament in South Dakota, and uh, won their first round matchup last night, 3-0 over Madison. And uh, Rachel Wente, senior middle, uh, had a big night. Uh, Rachel's a 5'9 middle, uh, has really been playing well. And uh, if you read the article, Coach Miller is very excited about how she played. She ended up with eight kills. But I think what's more important is, along with sophomore Tori Schultz, limited the 6'2 middle for Madison to only eight kills. And uh, certainly in high school volleyball, we have seen games where a uh, an athlete, particularly a big hitter, can really take over a game. So uh, the combination of, of, the, of the strategy that was put into play for Dakota Valley going into the game uh, to limit the touches most likely and as well as strong middle play uh, by Schultz and Wente uh, limited their uh, 6-2 uh, middle, uh, Abby Brooks, to only eight kills. And, uh, or, uh, excuse me, Dakota Valley went on to sweep them 3-0. Um, as all season, lots of balance. Uh, Rosenquist led the attack. Rachel had nine kills. Uh, Wente had eight. Sophie Atchison on the right side, uh, sophomore, had seven kills. Allie Beardsford, the uh, outstanding setter and strong candidate for Class A Player of the Year in volleyball, Sioux Falls recruit. 
at 28 assists and 14 digs for a double-double. She had three ace serves to go along with that outstanding performance. And Sophie Atchison helped with the defense with 13 digs. Um, you know, but it's really been one of the strengths of the Dakota Valley volleyball program this year has been the uh, serve receive. You know, and when we talk about volleyball and, you know, Brad uh, and Gene are huge volleyball fans and, and they go to a lot of Nebraska games and have always been in attendance at uh, various volleyball events around Siouxland and they love it and, and their girls played coming up. Um, you know, they, we talk about how important serve receive is. It's like being an offensive lineman. No one notices you until you have a hold. No one notices you in a serve receive until you make a, you know, a bad pass or there's an error. And Dakota Valley has got an incredibly strong defense. Um, Will Shire at the libero, arguably one of the best liberos in the state of South Dakota, um, and uh, uh, has had a phenomenal season. Also, uh, Archer uh, in the back row, uh, she has been fantastic, and she's played both outside hitter and as a DS, very athletic, and that allows them to back row attack, which is also somewhat unique for a high school program to be able to set the back row, and, and Archer can attack, as well as Sophie Atchison from the back, and that's been another weapon for Coach Miller's Dakota Valley Panther team that makes them very diverse and also very dynamic. And, uh, and also Jensen, the senior that comes in and serves and play, plays DS, is an excellent passer. And so that sets the table for a setter like Ab, uh, Allie Beersford to really be able to spread the ball around. And, of course, she's an attack threat as well with over 150 kills. Uh, Dakota Valley is in real good position here as they go into their next match with um, – uh, uh, I'm trying to think who they're playing tonight. It's a, it's a consolidated school, and I don't think I have it on my list, but uh, there's a very good chance that they're going to get that win tonight and set the stage for possibly playing uh, either Miller or Sioux Falls Christian in the championship game. So uh, good luck to the uh, Panthers. Uh, Elk Point Jefferson, uh, who had two huge upsets to get to state, did lose to the, the Miller uh, program um, last night, and uh, we'll be playing again tonight. They don't have a lot of details, other than we know that uh, Miller has a recruit that's going to Kansas State that's a real threat inside. So good luck to Elk Point and Dakota Valley as they continue to enjoy their uh, tournament time at the, in the state of South Dakota. And I think what's unique about South Dakota volleyball is the fact that they are able to play three games. They play it out. So they'll have a one through eight tournament down there, and uh, eight teams make it, and at the, at the end of the tournament, you find out whether you first or were you eighth. But what a great experience for the girls. You get to play three games uh, in, a, in a great environment. And I found out that they rotate the uh, state tournament. So next year's uh, state South Dakota tournament will be in Sioux Falls, which uh, makes the travel just a little bit easier uh, for the locals here following uh, Elk Point and the Dakota Valley Panthers. Final point that I'd like to talk about here on our Siouxland Sports is Carly Tritzberger. Carly Tritz was just uh, inducted into the high school uh, volleyball Hall of Fame, the first female athlete to be inducted as both basketball and volleyball. And what an incredible athlete Carly is, what an incredible person. She's a, currently an assistant coach at the Creighton women's basketball team. But arguably, Carly would go down as one of the best, if not the best, female athlete in the history of Iowa girls sports, if you include the fact that she's a Hall of Famer in soccer. I'm not sure they have Hall of Fame, but if they do, she most likely will be a Hall of Fame inductee in soccer, soccer, volleyball, basketball, one of the most special high school girl athletes that we had the pleasure of being able to uh, to watch 
uh, throughout her career at Helan and uh, as she was at Creighton and unfortunately uh, had the, uh, the knee problems that uh, limited her career. Uh, you know, we talk about fun moments and, and highlights and things to think about uh, in the past. And, and one of the segments in our early shows, we talked about uh, uh, you know, personal highlights that both you know, Brad and I have, have witnessed. One of the most impressive things I've ever seen um, was when Carly was playing for the Healing Crusaders in basketball, and they're running a 1-2-2 zone, and she was the, the top of the left side of the zone. She was the wing. I'm watching, and in the first quarter, when the ball was passed to her side, which at this team, the, the team would be going at Healing, it would be going to the right, which would be typically the strong side in most teams where they're most right-handed. Every time they threw the ball on a zone, on a pass, she, she it intercepted and stored the ball. Five possessions, five steals. I saw the coach stand up, yell at the guard, do not pass the ball to that side of the court, ever. And so one person, one player completely dominated an entire half of the defensive court, and that's Carly Tritz. And she set all kinds of crazy records at the state tournament and steals and just was a, it was a joy to watch and, and played the game with a smile and a personality that uh, uh, was pretty special. So congratulations, Carly, and, and uh, hope that uh, you have a great season with the Creighton women's basketball team. Well, that's it for the first uh, part of our show tonight, and we'll catch you all back after the break on Two Guys in a Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Steve Ferguson here, uh, along with no one. Uh, my my co-host, Brad Moore, uh, is on a, a business trip journey. And uh, safe travels, Brad. And uh, this section of our show is known as Stephen Brad's Room of Knowledge. Um, tonight and uh, today, we're uh, talking again about Big Ten football, one of our favorite subjects. Uh, and we have a lot to kind of chat about here. Uh, seasons winding down, big games. Um, Brad and I like to typically rank the Big Ten teams one through six. Um, I've you know, taking the, uh, the honor and privilege of doing that without Brad's input. But I, I don't think there'll be much argument. We still got Ohio State as the elite team, certainly one of the elite teams in the country. If not LSU, it's Ohio State. And uh, they're our number one pick for the week and have been all season long. We've got Penn State at number two. We've got Minnesota still up at number three, despite the loss to Iowa. Michigan comes in at four. Wisconsin, five and the Iowa Hawkeyes are at our sixth-ranked team. Pretty much uh, other than uh, Minnesota being uh, at two last, last week, uh, that's the flip we have. And, uh, you know, big, big game uh, Saturday, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff up at Columbus. Penn State, number nine, versus Ohio State. And that'll be, that'll be a good one. Uh, Hard-pressed to think that P Penn State is going to be able to get it done uh, against the Ohio State Buckeyes at Columbus. But uh, certainly, it'll be a fun one to, to watch. Here's a trap game. Here's a question. How does Minnesota bounce back? Tough loss to, to Iowa. Uh, P.J. Fleck uh, really commented that Minnesota played its worst game. You know, maybe Iowa had something to do with that. Maybe the crowd had a lot to do with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, they got to go on the road to Northwestern. And I tell you, Pat Fitzgerald, you know, even though they've had a very down season, is going to have a defensive scheme to, uh, you know, to really you know, make it difficult for the Gophers. And the question is, does Tanner Morgan bounce back? 
We don't know the extent of his injury on uh, the second or third to the last play of the game when he got sacked by A.J. Ebeneza um, and how he's going to bounce back in that one. So that's one for us uh, Big Ten fans to keep an eye on to see if Minnesota can get by Northwestern and set up the big stage to possibly win the Big Ten West in their last game with Wisconsin. The other game that's going to be quite interesting is Michigan and Indiana. Indiana's quietly having an outstanding season and in the top 25. Um, Michigan's defense is awfully good, and their offense has really got an identity now. It took them a while with their new coordinator to figure things out, but they've really got an identity, and, and Shea Patterson, their quarterback, is playing at a very, very high level. Um, and so, But Indiana um, has really played well, and I think that's going to be a heck of a game, and I think uh, Michigan's defense will probably uh, play out there and, and, and be enough to uh, uh, get Michigan the win as they set the stage for their final against Ohio State. And, of course, Purdue is at Wisconsin. Um, only hope for the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes to still sneak it out uh, would be an upset by Purdue at Wisconsin. Highly unlikely uh, that that's going to happen. Purdue's had a lot of injuries, playing a ton of true freshmen. They have a great coach, Jeff Brom, but uh, I don't see any way that uh, that doesn't uh, come out with a, a Badger win. Um, Iowa notes, you know, what a game for the Iowa Hawkeyes and, and those of us out there that are Iowa Hawkeye fans. Uh, it was really, um, really a fun game to see Iowa be aggressive. Brad uh, talked last week that uh, in the losses that he's watched Iowa, his comment as a Nebraska fan to me as an Iowa fan said, you know, why do, why do they wait so long to kind of let it happen, let it fly? You've got a, a guy with a, an NFL arm. Um, but, you know, the Iowa way is to keep the games close, minimize turnovers, and uh, give themselves a chance to win at the end. But, man, they came out with a different approach, throwing the ball. Uh, Nate Stanley, you know, it's fun to see Stanley have fun. You know, he really was loose, and, uh, and they said that's one of the, the games that he looked like the Ohio State game a number of years ago when the Hawks blew out the Buckeyes 55-27. Um, he just looked free, and, uh, and he really zanged the, uh, zanged the ball around. And great confidence, threw the ball with great confidence. Um, and uh, Tyrone Tracy, who stepped in for Brandon Smith, uh, continues to be a big play a wide receiver on the outside and emerging as a redshirt freshman as a big-time threat in the Big Ten. They will have Brandon Smith back this week. They're uh, wide out, so that will give them a few extra weapons. Um, I think we might have seen the uh, a star is born uh, in Tyler Goodson, the uh, running back from Georgia, who was the high school player of the year in Georgia, running back, got his first start for the Hawks, really gave him a lift, uh, had some big runs in the first half, and uh, ended up with 94 yards and a very impressive 10-yard touchdown run uh, that most backs in the country would not have been able to do. But his elusiveness, his quickness, his speed, Power. Uh, he's a heck of a football player and a, and a great get for the University of Iowa. And, you know, there was a couple of four-star running backs rated higher than he was that Iowa backed off when they knew they had Goodson. And uh, the coaching staff at Iowa has, a, has an eye for talent, and they know how to develop. But this kid's the real deal and, and was a steal uh, to get him to the University of Iowa. So it's going to be fun to see now if he can back up that great game as he comes into the Illinois game. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, the uh, right tackle for Iowa. Uh, then discussed to be a possible first-round draft choice, uh, maybe even as high as top 10 uh, by some uh, pundits, as a semifinalist for the Outland Trophy. And so you can pretty much uh, plan on that this is going to be the last home game for Tristan Wirfs on Saturday 
facing the Illini, as uh, I'm sure he's going to enter the NFL draft, and an incredibly athletic young man from Mount Vernon, Iowa. A.J. Epineza, the uh, uh, Mr. Everything defensive lineman, uh, didn't really have the stats that to compare to last year. He's now at seven sacks, but if you look at the grading um, that he goes through from the professional football focus, it's always off the charts, and they have got him highly, highly rated uh, in terms of uh, the NFL draft next year. He was the defensive player of the week. Very disruptive. Phil Parker, defensive coordinator, did some nice things with Epineza, moved him around, putting him in the interior, and uh, he's just a very, very special player and highly regarded by coaches. And uh, I think he will have an incredibly special game against Illinois. Mark it down. I think he's going to be a major disruptor uh, this Saturday. And then uh, Kristen Welch. I think this has been a little bit overlooked in, as we talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, middle linebacker. He was missing in the Penn State and Michigan games. And it certainly showed in our run defense. And having him back, uh, he played a tremendous game. And, and there's a lot to that linebacking position at Iowa in the middle and understanding reads. And uh, it was hard to replace him with two redshirt freshmen who have, an, I think, a bright future. Uh, Dylan Doyle and Jack Campbell uh, will be outstanding players. But uh, Welch back was a huge, huge factor in this win. Big game with Illinois. They're coming in with a lot of momentum. Uh, what's interesting is that I think I was up to either a 13 or possibly even 14-point um, favorite. And I think the argument apparently is that Illinois has kind of had some games where they've been fortunate to win. Sounds like Iowa, you know. Iowa sometimes is the same way. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting. Iowa's defense still continues to rank number two in the Big Ten in scoring defense at 12 points a game behind Ohio State. And I look for uh, – Iowa's defense to play really well uh, this Saturday against uh, the Fighting Illini. And it'll be really interesting. Uh, will Nate Stanley come out and throw the ball down the field and, and uh, uh, really open it up again in his final game at uh, Iowa? Um, he's a tremendous, tremendous talent. Um, he unfortunately has, has not done well in a few big games, but he's still, a, a, I think, a person that is very intriguing to the NFL. He's had a great career, and, uh, you know, if he can finish out the season, if they can win on Saturday, and if they can, are fortunate enough to be able to trip up Nebraska and then go to a bowl game and win, he could lead Iowa to a 10-3 and season. And there's been only one other quarterback in the history of Iowa football that's won three bowl, bowl games. So lots of Big Ten football on the slate this Saturday, and uh, we're going to talk a little Siouxland College sports coming up after the break on Two Guys in a Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. I'm joined by myself, Steve Ferguson. My co-host, Brad Moore, is traveling uh, out on business and wish Brad well. And uh, this is a section of our show where we like to talk a little bit about Siouxland uh, college sports and update, particularly Briarcliff and Morningside. I've got a lot of, lot of information on Morningside as they head into the national football playoffs. And, and uh, I think before we get to that, let's just talk a little bit about Briarcliff football. Had a real good season, uh, very competitive, went five and six, four and five in the G-Pack. Had a few uh, tough losses, but they're certainly on the rise over there, and they were rewarded with having three players that made first team um, all G-Pack, including Corey Woodruff, who is a sophomore offensive lineman from Sioux City. And we talked about Briarcliff 
as they continue to develop this program, uh, being able to recruit locally, and Woodruff was a big get, and uh, first-team all-conference offensive lineman uh, as a sophomore. On defense, Robert Robinson and Alexander Johnson both made uh, first-team. Robinson, I believe, is out of L.A. and a defensive lineman and led the conference uh, in tackles for losses with 20 and might have had double-figure sacks to go with that, so very impressive. Uh, they also had a senior make second-team offensive line, a Mary Beal, and the defense got three more players on the second team. Peyton Bailey, who had a monster year, Robbie Huddleston, and Dante Shipman were all honored for Briar Cliff. Um, and that defense this year was tough for the Cliff, and um, they're going to be—they're going to—they've got things on the rise over there, as we talked about, and I think uh, it'll be fun to see the next step of their program development next fall. We move on to Morningside, big game. They played up at Orange City. Number five, Northwestern versus number one, Morningside. I attended the game. It was very windy. Wind did play a factor in the game. And um, some interesting thoughts on that game. Uh, <clears throat> Northwestern has a very, very good quarterback in Tyson Coima, who was actually named the GPAC Offensive Player of the Year. Extremely mobile and uh, can make a lot of plays. Uh, he's almost like a more mobile uh, Drew Brees, um, and can run the ball a little bit, throws it around, and, and just made some big-time plays. They have excellent receivers that are big, and uh, they're smart. They were able to actually isolate matchups that they liked, and, and um, you know, Morningside played base defense. They made some adjustment covers as the game went on. They did not blitz. They played back, and they tried to let Coima complete these 15- uh, to 17-yard outs on uh, their one-on-one, and they, you know, Northwestern did a really nice job leading uh, Morningside at half, 13 to zero, but wind was a major factor, and so Morningside got the wind to start the third quarter and put uh, 20 points on to jump out and hold on for a 37-27 win. Uh, big, uh, big blocked extra point in the first uh, half, kept that game as a three-point differential, and with uh, Chase Nelson, freshman kicker, out of Pella, Iowa, is really looking good for Morningside. He kicked a couple of major, uh, a big field goal in the first half to keep it close, and then two major field goals in the third quarter uh, that uh, really, really helped Morningside continue to put points on the board. Um, there's a good chance that these teams are going to meet again. Um, Northwestern opens up at home in their playoff run, um, and Morningside is the number one ranked seed, obviously, number one ranked team in the country playing Dickinson State this Saturday. Uh, on Morningside's campus at 12 p.m. kickoff for that game. And then if uh, I believe if Morningside wins, Northwestern's win, they'd meet again um, over at uh, uh, Morningside. So uh, something to watch for there. Uh, GPAC All-Conference for Morningside. Uh, we might have to have an entire show uh, for this. Morningside had 21 players uh, make All-Conference between first and second team. A um, couple of names that we've heard a lot about: Ponder, second team or second year in a row, first team as the running back, Jurgen Smyer, uh, wide receiver, and Bo Ells, who's uh, also one of the uh, top punt returners in the country, uh, were first team All Conference. And Addison Ross, the H back, and uh, a player that was competed for quarterback this year was first team All Conference. Garrett Temme uh, has been uh, three time first team left tackle. Nathan Nissen out of Spencer, also first team. On defense, you had uh, Seth Matlin, who's had a monster year at defense, was first team all-conference again. It's the second year in a row. And uh, uh, Joel Kotzer, outside linebacker and uh, defensive player uh, of the year for the GPAC last year, 
was a third-time first-team pick, and his brother Jacob, twin brother Jacob, was a first-team all-conference pick as a middle linebacker, his second honor. Clayton Nordine um, was a second-time first-team all-GPAC uh, performer, and Nordine is very, very special. So if you get out to watch Morningside <clears throat> in their playoff run at home, watch this kid that plays a strong safety. He's a major hitter and had a big game against Northwestern with 11 tackles. And, of course, Dayton Claiborne from Sioux City made first-team all-conference again um, at uh, safety. And then second team was loaded with a lot of the offensive linemen and players. So um, <clears throat> impressive run over there for the Morningside football team. And uh, one other thing we've, we'll, we'll talk about with Coach Miller in the future here is his program's more than football. And um, he had now five players that uh, made the all-district um, academic uh, team. Uh, Matlin, Seth Matlin, Joel Kotzer, Jacob Kotzer, um, Clayton Nordine. Um, uh, all were uh, members of uh, that, as along with Reed Jurgensmeyer, and that's the uh, uh, all-district academic team. And now they've been um, nominated for academic all-American status, and so uh, he's got quite a, a quite a group of student athletes uh, over at the program that are involved in community service um, and certainly doing well in the classroom for uh, Coach Ryan. And uh, you know, uh, there's a great article on the website from Morningside on Bo Ells and his uh, legacy. Uh, his father is a coach at uh, Colorado, been a D1 coach for a number of years. Uh, talks about his grandfather and his father of always being involved in football. Bo's a great kid and uh, is a punt returner and slot receiver from Morningside and a very gifted young man. It's a great article about him, and he just talks about the culture of Morningside. And I think the culture of Morningside always starts with their trip to Colorado in the summer uh, where they go and climb the, climb the mountains, and uh, they pick a mountain and climb it, and uh, it's uh, critical that every player makes it up the hill. And sometimes if you're a 320-pound lineman, uh, going up a hill on a mountain is not an easy task. And they talk about how other players help um, some of their teammates make that journey to the top. And it's a pretty impressive thing that <clears throat> Coach Ryan does uh, every year and the commitment of these uh, veterans to uh, to do that. Um, so big game uh, for the uh, Mustangs Saturday as they make their national uh, run once again. Men's basketball, quickly, uh, on the Morningside side of things, are 6-0, ranked fourth in the country. Clobbered Doan, 69-32. Morningside's got some serious defense. They can play defense, and I think that's going to bode well for them as they make a run again uh, to try to pick up uh, a national championship along with the GPAC championship. GPAC's so tough. But a 69-32 clobbering of Doan on the road. Um, very balanced, uh, uh, again, on offense. They've got some big games coming up uh, at the, uh, I believe, down at the Fremont uh, uh, Thanksgiving tournament. They're going to play number 22, Bellevue, number 18, Southern Oregon. So Coach Sykes has really picked up uh, the schedule uh, outside of the GPAC to really prepare his team uh, as they try to make a serious run at the national tournament. Women's team, 6-1 and one in, in ranked number 19. Uh, they pounded Doan 99-45 in the road. Um, but they had a huge win prior against number five, Dort, 81-78. Um, and Coach Jamie Sale has got the women's program back on the track. Uh, they've got great balance. They're led by uh, Sid Hupp uh, and Sierra Mitchell uh, have been their leaders, and then Sophia Peppers. But they got a strong bench play. Um, there's a lot of names starting to merge there that have uh, really stepped up for the uh, women's team <clears throat> at Morningside. So 
the uh, programs are uh, strong right now, <clears throat> both on the men's and women's side. We'll have a little more on Bra uh, Briarcliff basketball our next show as uh, we'll dive in and, and, and catch up with what the uh, Chargers are doing. Hey, everybody, I appreciate you hanging in there with me on Two Guys in a Conversation. We'll have Brad back on na next week, and uh, that'll certainly balance out our show. And, uh, and I can't wait to have him back. Thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see everybody next week.